Good morning. Hello. Hi. Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, now I can. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Sorry, I was uh, trying to do things telepathically. Uh, <laughs> do you have that tinfoil helmet on? Because we talked about that last time, that that may be interfering. Oh, the tinfoil. That's right. what's missing. Absolutely. <laughs> so. Your topic. <laughs> 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 yes, my topic. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny, after we chatted a little bit about it on Sunday, um, and I kind of, and we decided to set up another time to talk about it, I was like, excellent. I'll take Monday, I'll sit down, and I'll write out some notes of what I've been thinking over the last couple of weeks, and I'll be all set for it, right? And I sat down yesterday and I just blanked out, just totally blanked out. I didn't know. I I really have no idea what I want to say except that <laughs> I'm confused. Right. Right. You know. Um uh in a nutshell, I guess the problem is that uh um, like we were saying, like I was saying on Sunday, um, uh, the, the, this, um, this business of sitting around and waiting, um, makes me kind of nervous. Yep. Um, like I should be doing something mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. about it, right? And, um... I mean, I, I, I'm not sure what. I, I've been talking to some people, and I, I always get the same thing, which is everybody wants you to do what they want you to do, right? Oh, you're good at this. You should do that, right? Or, oh, you have this skill, so you should do that. So you feel like, uh, yeah, that's kind of a neat idea, but I don't know if I want to, right? Right, right. And, uh, and, and, and if I uh, if I just hook on to one of those ideas, am I just inhabiting you know, what somebody else's um, impression of me is, right? What, what you know, of all the the four or five or six different things rattling around inside my head, which one of those things is the thing that um, I need to do and how do I know? Right. 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 So I guess figuring out a way to identify uh, those markers is kind of what I've been trying to work on. Right. Okay. Um, is there more that you wanted to say? I do have a very sort of rough framework that might might help. I mean, might, uh, but I certainly don't want to interrupt what uh, what it is that you're saying. Uh, no, that's that's. Um, I mean, that's a you know a thousand foot level. Of what I've been thinking, I guess. Um, Except, uh, just to add a little bit of uh, background, though, I guess, um, 
when uh, when I got the job that uh, or when I originally got the job that I just quit four months ago, I I had had this one plan uh, in mind way back then that I was going to save up all this money and go back to school and get a job, uh, you know, get a degree in, in English and get a job either writing or editing or something like that. And then on 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 this end of that tunnel, uh, you know, uh, especially after the last the 18 months to two years, uh, there's the... There, there's this sudden. Uh, well, wait a minute. <laughs> are, are you sure about that? You know, like, um, like, like that idea has just become one more of the collection of I don't knows. Right. 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 And. Um... Uh, so yeah, and 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 is is the doubt of that particular plan or approach because you are uh, because you are concerned about going back to school, or is it something else? Well, that's part of it. I mean, I mean, for God's sakes, I'm forty years old. You know, who goes back to school at forty, right? Well, lots of people. I mean, that's the, I mean that's one thing that I was sort of vaguely thinking of, and more than vaguely actually, which was that. I would get my degree in psychology and join Christina because obviously I enjoy that kind of stuff, join her in her clinic and so on. And right. since I'm already mostly supervised by her in my personal life, it wouldn't make much difference. Uh, <laughs> in, uh, in, but, but I went and, and looked into it and I would have to take another five years of school. And um, Holy crap. Yeah, oh yeah, because I mean I, I sort of took some psych courses, uh, in, but I'd have to sort of get my undergrad and then my master's level, and then I, it would take probably about five years for me to become uh, certified after that. I mean, so you're talking about a decade, right? So it's like 50, I'll finally, <laughs> you know. And, and that's what kept me out of the PhD world, right, was is that when I was sort of 28 or, or so, when I was facing that fork in the road between going into business and going to do a PhD, I uh, sort of looked at the PhD. It was a seven-year program. Then it would take a couple of years to get a 10-year track position, uh, assuming that I could surmount the sort of minority hiring practices and all, and my um, the fact that <laughs> people didn't like my beliefs and all that kind of stuff, uh, oh, yeah. you know, assuming all of that could be surmounted, I would finally get a steady paycheck about the age that I am now, right? <laughs> sort of forty <laughs> or so, and that that was just like no thanks, right? That just wasn't going to work. Uh, for me, I just couldn't take another 10 years. Yeah, that's a pretty steep barrier. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, look, I, for me as well, right, as a friend of mine who who is actually a professor said, there's one thing to get a PhD in economics, whereas if you can't get a job, you can uh, at least um, get a job doing like being an analyst. You've got math skills. You've got – you get a PhD in history. If you can't get a job, you know, it's like, you know, do you want fries with that becomes your sort of fallback position, right? So Right. Right, that's true. Right, so so and and I was not entire. I was not at all sure, uh, based on my experiences with uh, professors as a as a grad student at the master's level, that uh, I was going to. I mean, everybody sort of recognized that I was pretty smart, but uh, they sort of viewed that as something kind of annoying rather than a benefit to be praised. Right. So, like, I, I wish he was not as radical and also not smart. 
right? Because <laughs> right? then it would be easier to sort of reject his conclusions, right? So, right. so I mean, that, uh, that question of education is a pretty significant one. And it is certainly true uh, in, in one's 40s, uh, or at least when you're 40, that there is a kind, of, a kind of change, right? I was just talking about this with Christina last night. A lot of the friends that we have seem to be going through a bit of a down phase uh, in their lives, and uh, whereas Christina and I aren't, and uh, I, I think we were talking about this last night that there's a kind of arc in life, right? So when you're when you're younger, the goals that you have are all defined for you, right? You got to pass your tests, you got to go to school, you got to do your homework, you got to do your chores, you got all of the tasks that you have right. are kind of defined for you, and then. When you sort of get into, and this is this is throughout your teens, of course, and for a lot of people who do post-secondary education, that's their twenties, right? So you sort of make sure. twenties, you graduate, and all all of your stuff's been set up for you, and then you start a job, and because you don't know what you're doing in your job, all of your stuff gets set up for you, and all the things that you've got to to achieve, right? Here's your deadlines, and here's your resources, and so on. You have to figure out how to achieve it. It's not like you're just, you know, brain dead, but it's not the case that you really get to define your goals for yourself, right? And so I find that uh, that sort of takes people through their sort of late 20s, early 30s. And, you know, maybe they get married in this time period and then there's, you know, all this other stuff that you have to learn how to be married and so on, right? But that's sort of a decision that, that flows out of a decision that you've made to get married. So a lot of times people can sort of cook along pretty much into their sort of mid-30s without having set, really, a goal for themselves, right? In, in, a life goal for themselves. You're sort of just processing, right. right? You're just processing what comes along on the conveyor belt, right? Like, uh, if you ever see that old I Love Lucy show where they got the chocolates on the conveyor belt. <laughs> people, people try and manage their life according to those kinds of principles. And then what happens is you, you settle into something, whatever that something is, right? So a lot of my friends have sort of reached uh, where they are in their careers and... They now know their jobs very well, and they've spent a couple of years knowing their jobs very well. And their marriages are stable, and, and uh, you know, they – and they, you, you don't – I mean, the moment you achieve that, you don't sort of, hey, got to do something new, right? I mean, at least most people don't. And so what, what's happened right. is they've spent a couple of years enjoying that sort of phase, right? But the problem is that now what's happening is they're kind of stuck, Right, they, they they don't know what to do next because it's almost like, for the first time in their lives, and this is around the age of forty or early forties for these people, for the first time in their lives, they actually have to generate a goal for themselves. There's no have to. There's no one handing them stuff. There's no one feeding them stuff. Right, right. That's that's. Uh, I, I've felt that tug too before. It was, I just wish somebody would tell me what I have to do now. <laughs> right, right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's that's how we're trained. And undoing the habits of a couple of decades is not the easiest thing in the world. And the problem right. is, of course, that uh, – and again, this is not in particular with reference to you unless it sort of fits. But um, they haven't taken – I mean, most of my friends have not taken the, the route of great – uh, wisdom, right? I mean, that's a that's a rare a rare thing. I'm happy to find a couple of thousand people on the planet willing to talk about that. Um, but my friends have not taken the gr- the route of great wisdom, and so what has happened for them is that um, they don't have uh, necessarily the naturally. I mean, none of my friends are sort of 
entitled dominant jerks, right? I mean, <laughs> because there can only be one of us in this room. <laughs> the moment they step out of line, right? But they're not. I mean, most, most of the people I've ever met who are very successful in their fields are successful because they're narcissistic and entitled and, and so on, right? And they're successful because they just, you know, <laughs> they're just dominant, right? And, that's, and so what's happening is they haven't taken the path of, of, of real wisdom and self-knowledge, which is a very hard path. Um, and so in their careers now, they've sort of gone as far sort of to, to sort of you know, team leader, senior programmer, maybe sort of middle management. They've gone as far as they can get without bumping into the ceiling of narcissism, right? And this right. was sort of my experience in business, right? That you sort of can, can cook along pretty well, but uh, you will always end up bumping up into the ceiling, which is narcissistic and entitled people that you can't negotiate with, or at least I couldn't and certainly uh, Christina couldn't in her situation and so on. And so right. I think then then, then you okay. have to start playing their game and and that just that just feels so, so filthy. <laughs> right, it does. And and that doesn't lead you to happiness at all. And you can't you can't beat entitled people unless you're even more entitled, right? Right. You you, you can't just I mean, you can't ma- at least I could never do it, right? And I've not known anybody who who can. Uh, you, you can't just, I mean, entitlement comes out of a pretty brutalized and unconscious and very primitive personality structure, right? That kind of entitlement and narcissism is, you can't just sort of fake that, right? <laughs> you can't just say, you know, I'm, I'm going to sort of take this personality structure that is formed in the first two years of life. Now that I'm 40, I'm going to reproduce it and fight them at the, you just, you can't, right? Any more than you and I can argue with a native Cantonese speaker, right? Who spent their whole life, we don't know. You, you can go back and learn it, but by the time you learn it, I mean, Debates long over. So, right, it's just noises yelling back and forth. Right, right, right. So, uh, so, so there is this, and this is you know, sort of in, in looking at spent some time over the last couple of weeks, sort of trying to figure out the shape of, of my life. And again, I don't sort of make this about me, but I think there's some useful commonalities that once you have, um, once you take the path of wisdom, uh, you know, your your time in regular interaction uh, with sort of quote average people. Uh, is limited, right? There's a there's a countdown, right? <laughs> like the calendar. Its days are numbered, and yeah. uh, that that is a great challenge, right? Because because we've got to eat, we've got to participate with people in order to uh, to survive. I and mean, part of the economy, you got to have a roof over your head and so on. But sure. when you go through this process of trying to figure out what it is that you want to do, you also have to figure out to some degree what is it that the world is going to allow me to do. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right, and so you can't go back into the little box of just conforming with, with other people, right? Because you can't unlearn what you've learned. But at the same time, you do have to interact with people to some degree, uh, in order to, um, uh, to get what it is that you want to participate in sort of right. the economic world. And and that's sort of the, um, the 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 space that I'm kind of stuck in now as well. Is uh, I I. <laughs> I, I just can't bring myself to go back to working under some jackass middle manager, and yet at the same time, you know, I look forward at all the other possibilities, and and they, they all seem kind of I don't know, just foreign, foreign, and like a hell of a steep hill, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, if uh, I could conceivably go back to school for five years, spend another five years to be certified in order to become a registered psychological associate like Christina, 
but right, right. Like, am am I, am all I do? It, like, is all I'm doing here is just fantasizing, really? You know, because if I'm not if I'm not ready to put that kind of effort in, then that's all it really is, right? I mean, right. I'm just kind of inhabiting those things as fantasies. Right, 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 and uh, and and of course, I, I've certainly found that that willpower is highly overrated in life. <laughs> I mean, I know this sounds like oh, you, you willpower, but willpower is is highly overrated uh, insofar as I've I've willed a whole bunch of things in my life that turned out to be pretty bad for me. Right, <laughs> you you kind of want to be organically lined up with your goal, right? And I remember um, a friend of mine's wife has has taken. I mean, she's uh, she's done. All these courses in, in HR. She's, literally, she spent 10 years doing night school uh, and, and so on, right? Because she wanted to sort of advance her career. But, you know, as I said to Christina last night, if she'd spent like one-tenth of the time and money on therapy rather than on, you know, education, she would actually have been much further ahead because now she's got all this education. But some of her emotional habits are not conducive to uh, rising in the sort of corporate uh, world. And some, some ones that are like pretty basic and... and so it is kind of um, uh, kind of hard to figure out uh, what it is that allows you to survive, but also to to at least uh, sorry to flourish personally, but also to survive in an economic sense within the world, right? So so if I can just sort of run you through a couple of questions, uh, maybe that uh, that can help clarify sure. things. Sure. So um, forget about the form of what it is that you'll be doing in the future, but. What kind of life do you want for yourself? Uh, in other words, what are your, your highest priorities? Now, clearly, based on our conversations over the past year and a half, a high priority for you is studying uh, the truth, right? Studying philosophy and, and not in order to, you know, learn to levitate or, you know, put <laughs> a unicorn with your mind, but, but, but because it gives you pleasure, right? It gives you, it gives you a deep pleasure, uh, in, in your own life, right? Regardless of the effects that it has uh, on your your sort of external circumstances. Definitely. Right. So I would so, definitely agree with that. So that that's that's a core, right? That's a core. Whatever you do has to support that goal, right? Of of sort of self knowledge and, and understanding and communicating with people, right? I mean, you're not sort of uh, doing it in an ivory tower. Uh, you you like to to I mean, you stay in as I say in the book, right? You have to stay in the conversation for philosophy to. To, to bring you real joy. And so right. that, participate, uh, that participative conversation, um, anything that would eliminate your ability to do that, right? Say, I'm going to go live on a desert island. Well, there's no internet, right? So, right? so <laughs> there, there are things, whatever you're going to do has to be in alignment with, with that goal, right? Yes, yes, I would definitely agree with that. Now, I think that it's fairly safe to say that um, that's not going to pay. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's probably true. And I mean, I, I don't say that because I doubt your ability to sort of communicate and, 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 and so on, but I've got them all. I've got all the philosophers, so there's nobody left to donate. To. No, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the, I mean, one of the reasons that it works for me is that, you know, from the age of, of 15, I've been studying, so I've done public speaking and, and, uh, I have all these novels, which I can give to people. Right. So there's, I have a sort of a backlog of, of sort of quote value that I can sort of heap on this conversation and so on. 
Um, which is not to say you could absolutely start a podcast uh, or start uh, something which – but I think that would be a challenge. And I only say that because <laughs> I sort of got through it and know uh, what, a, what a challenge it is. But, You're just trying to keep the, the field clear. <laughs> absolutely. But the difference, the difference as well, of course, is that if you wanted to take that approach – you know, which I would be completely happy to do whatever I could to, to help you on that. If you wanted to take that approach, then you sort of have to recognize that it's a year till you make any money and then it's a trickle and you've got to work really hard to raise it. That happens. Well, and there's, there's also, there, I mean, there's also another problem too, um, which is, and, and I've kind of been down this road tentatively a couple times myself over the last three or four years. And that is, I mean, you really have to have something to say that's uniquely valuable, right? That people are going to be attracted to it um, um, apart from all the other 500 podcasters out there trying to do the same thing, right? So in your case, I mean, you have that, you have that hook, right, in combination with all the the the, the necessary skill sets, right? So, you mean so it works for you. Huh? You mean the singing? Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. Actually, I think it's despite the singing. And the singing <laughs> is just an indulgence that people are like, okay, fine, give them a bar or two, let's get to the philosophy. Um, <laughs> no, and, and I think that's true, which is not to say that you won't have things to say, right? I mean, again, this is just I started when I was 15, and of course, this is not to, to compare you and say you only started a year and a half ago or anything like that, because I know that you've been interested in ideas and, and art and philosophy for, for a long, long time. But uh, sort of I went through the therapy like, I guess, eight, eight or nine years ago and do food like eight years ago. And so I've had some time to, <laughs> you know, to sort of synthesize what it is that I, I want to talk about, not to mention the sort of decades that, that went on before then. So right. it's not to say that you won't have the uh, ability to have unique and things to say, but I think, at least in my experience, and this is not to say that this is true for everyone, but in my experience, it takes, you know, this is a slow simmer that gives you the rich broth, right? So uh, it certainly is possible. The other thing, of course, is that you can choose to have a very cheap lifestyle if you want, right? So if you wanted to do something uh, similar to what I'm doing, and we'll just use that as a, as a base, uh, which, which would, you could be anything else, but some way of trying to turn wisdom into uh, cash, you could uh, simply set up your life to be as minimally expensive as possible so that you would be able to uh, to to achieve that, if that makes sense, or to achieve that in a more likely sustainable manner. Right, and and you know, in in actuality, I've been, I'm, I mean, I'm already sort of there. Um, I mean, there were some years where, you know, <laughs> I, I had to have the big TV and I had to have the big couch, and you know, like everybody else, right? But. Um, like the last five, six years or so, I'd gotten to the point where I was just giving all that junk away because, I mean, it really was just junk. Right. So you got like a wooden bowl, a toothbrush, and a spoon, right? <laughs> Save enough for four. Well, right. So, so well, you have I'm that kind of. I'm I have two bowls. <laughs> <laughs> so you you can make that choice, right? So that that right. you can start to. Um, uh, you can start to write articles, and there are places on the web. And I'm not sort of uh, – this is just possibilities, right? I and mean, we're just sort of trying to flesh out where it is that you could go. 
uh, based on your desires and based upon that core desire that you want to continue to explore the life of the mind and to be a philosopher, right? So there are places on the web that you can take writing assignments and you can just grind away at that and start uh, writing for people. You could podcast. You could do like a whole bunch of things. Um, I wish I could hire you, but there's no, there's no need <laughs> hire at the moment where we are. I don't to get, get to get more cash. And, I would be paying off, myself. Fire, fire Bill's desire to uh, – sort of fight off Bill's desire to revamp the website and so on. But um, <laughs> so there's a possibility that you could take that approach, right? If that is the core value that you wish to sustain – then you could certainly give that a good shot, right? And there's no way to tell how far it is that you're going to go until you actually just really give it a shot. Uh, you should have some instinctual belief in your capacity to do those kinds of things. I mean, I very clearly remember the first time that I went off book on Free Domain Radio. I started off by reading these articles, right? And the first time that I just started, at the end of one of the articles, just started sort of improvising. I was kind of like holding my breath saying, hey, I wonder if this is going to work, right? <laughs> and right, right. Uh, so... But but I sort of had some some belief that it would and 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 so on. So uh, so so that's that's a possibility that would allow you to sort of stay the closest to your your core values. Um, now, what about uh, things like um, uh, breeding, a wife, uh, kids, uh, uh, nappies, that kind of stuff? Is that something that would be part of the values that that you would look at uh, as something that might be core uh, in your life? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting that you uh, bring that up because uh, I've I've kind of come full circle on that question. Um, I I don't really see that as uh, something I I mean really want. Right, so that would sort of be like going back to school for you, right? It's like, well, yeah, I could put all that time and energy into it, but it's just not something that's a particularly high priority for me, right? Um, yeah, well, in, in a different sense, though. I mean, uh, with school, at the end, you get something that you can use as leverage to get something else. Right. With family, though, um, I mean that that pretty much consumes everything. Well, that may or may not be the case in some ways. I mean, it certainly could be argued that my investment in my relationship with Christina uh, has paid off hugely in terms of financial stability. While I take this particular path, and uh, more, I guess, more accurately, you could say that my uh, decision to support Christina in the starting up of her venture. Has paid off, right? Boston but but let me put it this way: if you thought for a minute that what you were doing was going to jeopardize her practice, you wouldn't you wouldn't do it, would you? Well, that's a tough that's a tough question. Um, that's a tough question. Uh, I, I don't know whether or not uh, what it is that I am doing may. Uh, or would Jeff? And I mean, maybe somebody listens to the Ask a Therapist and sues her. I, I mean, whatever, right? Like that. that, that or, or, go, right? or, or, if you thought it would jeopardize your relationship with her, you wouldn't do it. Well, uh, but I think that's a false dichotomy. Uh, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not trying to sort of dodge the question, but uh, Freedom Aid Radio has been enormously beneficial to our relationship. So I can't like what it is that I'm doing is very good for us, and Christina would be the first person to to agree with that, right? So. So I don't think that what I'm doing could – I mean, look, if, if it turned like if Christina's patient 
rostrum dried up and her clinic didn't get any referrals and, and we were going to lose the house if I didn't get a job, then I would go back and get uh, a job, right, to, to sort of make the money until we sort of got back on track, uh, right. and which would result in a diminishing of this, uh, of what it is that I'm doing here. I certainly wouldn't be writing the books and all the other stuff that I've been able to do uh, since going full time. But um, I don't view this as, as really other than sort of base, got to eat stuff. I don't view this as a conflict with my relationship with Christine at all, but rather an enhancement. Okay, I mean, but even in in terms of it, uh, I mean, it, it, it's it's got to be putting a certain amount of uh, pressure on the both of you to, to, in order for you to be able to do that, though, right? I mean, you're making a lot less than you were working, right? Well, that's true, of course, but we also get to have lunches together, right? And we get to sort of see each other throughout the day. So in between patients, I'll sort of ask her how her day's going and so on, if I can take a break from what it is that I'm doing. So um, so sure, there's less money, but, um, you know, we, we, are, we, we, we get to spend more time with each other. She's also, right. you know, feels less concerned about me driving sort of 120 kilometers a day and, and, uh, and so on. So uh, I would say, I mean, overall, it's a, it's a, it's a net positive. Uh, to uh, to our relationship, do you and think that would be the case too? If uh, you do you think that would also be the case if you uh, were to throw kids in the mix? Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely, no question. Me being home would be a much greater positive uh, if we had kids, right? If we have kids, uh, because um, uh, she has. Uh, we're just sort of searching for office space and expanding her practice, and uh, so. Um, if if I'm home and can work on free domain radio, then if she has to go and do do something like if we, we take some time off, which we we could do, right? Because once she gets uh, more therapists under her wing, then what happens is we both are sort of building sustainable income that we don't necessarily have to be working uh, continually to provide. It's the problem with hourly labor, right? If you're not working, you're not you're not eating. Whereas the value that I've built up over the past couple of years with free domain radio provides an income even if I take a day or two off or whatever, right? So. Right, and the same thing is true with the practice that that she's building, right? To get more therapists so that she can, uh, you know, prey on their hourly rates and so on. So, if we have kids, it's hugely beneficial that we're both not salaried employees, but are rather building uh, a source of income that doesn't require us to be continually working. That is, I mean, if we could both be home for a good deal of the time when the kids are young, that would be a completely ideal situation. And and you, you don't see the the, the time and um, financial commitment that that entails as uh, putting pressure on what you're doing with free domain. Uh, you mean sorry? Uh, the, the, can you just rephrase that? I'm not sure I understood. Uh, you don't believe that the 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 time and financial commitment necessary to raise kids would put any pressure on what you're doing uh, with free domain? Sure. I would be able to do less at, uh, at free domain radio uh, if, if we have kids in the house. No question of that, for sure. But um, I don't see that. I mean, that, that's true uh, with, with whatever you do, right? I mean, or at least that would be – I could certainly choose, right? I could choose to hire – a nanny to come in and watch the kids in, in, in a soundproof basement, right? <laughs> Do exactly the same <laughs> as I'm doing now with Freedom Aid Radio, right? Which is sort of eight to ten hours a day of work. Right, uh, but hiring a nanny is going to put more financial pressure on you then. Well, sure. Right. But, so but you could, argue, you could argue that um, 
continuing to work on free domain radio would generate – I mean, there is a correlation between the amount that I work and the um, – the money that I receive, right? I mean, it's not, it's a little bit like pushing string, but not completely, right? So, <laughs> so you could say that hiring a nanny, uh, but continuing to work on free domain radio uh, would be uh, a net positive or at least a net neutral. But of course, right. for me, the reason that I would have kids is to, to raise them. I mean, it's shocking, I know, but for <laughs> me, right? So, yeah, there would be financial pressures. Uh, in order to, like if I were to sort of raise the kids, I'd work less on free domain radio, there'd be less income that would come out of it. But that's fine. We, we make those choices all the time. I mean, when you, when you choose to sleep, you are making a financial decision that cuts back on your income, right? It's just, it tends to be a very good one because going mental is not good for your career, right? So, <laughs> so making those, I mean, of course, and we've done some preparation, like we've tried to pay down as much of the house as possible. My car is paid off. Uh, so, and, and Christina's car is paid off. So we've tried to make those decisions to keep the cash flow requirements uh, lower, and we've deferred sort of uh, the landscaping of the house, which you'll see when you come by. Uh, we're known as uh, the the jungle dwelling, but um, <laughs> so so we sort of we tried to make those decisions to minimize that. Uh, if there, I mean, we do have kids; there'll be financial pressures for sure, but uh, some of those will be alleviated. So we will homeschool, so they won't need more than one change of clothing. Um, all those kinds of things. So the school uniform will be a potato sack. Those kinds of things we can make decisions for. So it's it's just really a, a matter of planning, but. For sure, uh, I would never do what my brother did, which is to have a sort of high-powered career while raising two kids, uh, spend time having to travel. I mean, that just to me would be a complete agony. I just would find that to be beyond horrible. Um, you know, there's this thing where I remember – I've mentioned this in a podcast where I was reading an article years ago that had a strong influence on my thinking in this area where this woman was saying – she was an executive when her kids were young. and She was retiring. Her kids were grown and she was retiring. She's going through – She'd been at the same place for like 20 or 30 years. She's going through a filing cabinet, tossing stuff out. You know, she came across some Christmas newsletter that she wrote uh, early on. And she remembers staying at Christmas Eve to, to write this newsletter. And, you know, now it's 20 years later. And her kids still remember the time she didn't come home for Christmas Eve. But, of course, nobody remembers the newsletter and she throws it in the garbage. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, that kind of stuff is uh, it's really horrifying to me, right, the idea that uh, – you know, some piece of software or some project or that's going to be lost to the sands of time is going to take priority over spending time with my kids and, and even to some degree with, with my wife, right? I mean, it's uh, much more fun doing that. Right, that, and that's, that's kind of what I'm saying is that once you make that commitment, that personal commitment, I mean, why would you make that commitment if you didn't intend to follow through on it? And so, You mean the and kids thing? Yeah, so if, you're, if your job is more important than your kids, then why are you having kids? Right? Well, sure, absolutely. Absolutely. And, Why would you bother? If the kids are more important than the job, then why don't you quit and get another job, right? One that doesn't put as much stress on your family, right? Right. There, I knew people like that all over the place where I was working. That, you know, and it's funny too because this place liked to call itself a very family-friendly company, right? You know, except that. Uh, the, it was, I mean, it was pretty much all show. They, they didn't even have, like, like a lot of the new companies, they have, like, daycare centers and, you know, outings for families and that sort of thing. This place didn't have any of that, but still tried to pass themselves off as family-friendly. But anyways, there is also this implicit sort of necessity that you would work... 110 to 120 percent of your hours right 
and get paid for a hundred percent, right? Right. And if you and if you didn't, you wouldn't get, you know, you, you wouldn't get raises, you wouldn't get promotions, you wouldn't get asked on projects and that sort of thing. Sure. And that that always that irked me. That always irked me. But well, and and I I certainly know that for myself. Like I've written, I've risen to the, sort of the, the CTO level, but then you're still subjected to the CEO and and often to the CFO, and you're also still subjected to the vagaries of uh, a board. Uh, or investors, or the stock market, or wherever it is, right? So no matter where you are in business, I mean, maybe you're Rupert Murdoch or Bill Gates, or but no matter where you are in business, well, even he was ended up being subjected to the Department of Justice, right? No matter where you are uh, in business, you are going to be under the thumb of somebody who's likely to be not very mentally healthy, right? And certainly not wise, and certainly, right, because there seems to be a pretty good set of antibodies near the top of our society that keeps wise people at a good, <laughs> at a good distance, right? And, and totally focused on how much dollar value they can extract from you, right? Right, which, which unfortunately in the modern world often means uh, intimidation and exploitation while, you know, spouting off mealy-mouthed stuff about work-life balance and work-family balance. So for me, um, to, to return to the world of business, again, outside of, of necessity, right, um, would be uh, to, uh, to be unhappier, right? And, and, of course, the reason that I suggested to did more sort of insisted that Christina leave the public hospital was that it was a very corrupt environment and she was very unhappy uh, with that environment, right? And that unhappiness would then spill over into uh, our marriage and we'd spend time managing that, right? So I was just saying, well, look, I mean, let's give up your tidy, secure income and pension from the public sector hospital and throw you to the vagaries of, of private practice and you know, starting your own clinic and so on. And so we have less money, but, but I'm not sure, I mean, as long as you've got enough to eat and live, right? Uh, then I'm not, you know, if my, if my, main, my income's gone down by like 75%, but what, uh, what was I buying with the extra money that, that is more important <laughs> to me than, than the happiness of, of my life and my marriage and, and so on, right? I mean, I don't get to take all that stuff with me, right? <laughs> and so right. I, I don't get to take my happiness with me either, but all the time that I spend unhappy in the present doesn't get added to my life later on, right? It's just unhappy, man. The, the length of my life is fixed. And it's just a net negative to be unhappy. And I, I, I mean, I like stuff in in some ways. I'm a techno geek and all that kind of stuff. But the choice between stuff and happiness is is not a uh, it's not a particularly challenging one for me. Yeah, and that that's that's kind of the the uh, the choice that I made about four or five years ago was, uh, you know, the stuff doesn't really matter. And status doesn't matter either, right? And and I that's the other thing with with business too is that I I just can't stand the status jockeying I just can't stand the status jockeying, uh, and and that's something I mean that's all just such false self neuroses and and such unstable personalities and and virulent and violent personalities that are in that uh, in that kind of situation. What re- what really used to upset me was the fact that no no matter what I did, it was always perceived as such. As status right? jockeying. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they uh, amusingly enough, they started the the uh, the operations group that I was with started their own newsletter, and it was pretty crappy. And so I, I you know, being interested in writing, I, I kind of hooked into it, and and for two or three issues, I was like just pounding on it, trying to make it better, and <clears throat> getting people to contribute and writing these huge long articles myself and and when I'm all done right 
nobody looks at it and says, wow, that's really cool. They're all thinking, Kiss what's ass. his angle? Right. Kiss ass. Right. Where's where where's he where's he hoping to take this right? And it's like it's it's not about that. It's about making it, you know, aiming for quality, making it better. Yeah, that's the challenge, right? That's the challenge. Yeah. And this is where I mean, a lot of my friends seem to be at the top arc of a, or even starting to head down the other slope. It's like, what does excellence mean when your career is stalled? When you can't get better at what you're already really good at, at least not a whole lot better, right? Right. Um, and so what, what, what is it that you're going to do in terms of excellence, which, you know, like it or not, uh, we just need steeper hills to pedal all the time in order to maintain our happiness. I don't know why that is, and also maybe I'm all it over, but it does seem to be a pretty near universal constant that we do need to apply ourselves to the pursuit of excellence uh, in, in, in some pretty fundamental manner in order to maintain our happiness. Treading water is actually sinking, right? I mean, we have to be swimming somewhere in order to be happy. We have to have a purpose, and that purpose has to be something that we can scale and progress in terms of competence and expertise, which is why wisdom and philosophy is like you can never, you're never done, right? <laughs> and, and the rewards are great, right? So, and, of course, the other thing, too, when it comes to philosophy is that what, what it did for me in a professional sense was it took the wind out of my sails of idealization, right? So uh, once you get that you're wiser than the people you work for, uh, with, with a great whoosh, the, you know, the false self wind goes out of your sails in terms of your enthusiasm for what it is that you're doing, right? And yeah. you really can't get rah-rah about that kind of situation uh, anymore, right? So you go to these Microsoft conferences and there's like, I mean, they're literally standing, stomping and cheering, right? And, and you got that bald guy jumping up and down like a monkey being electrocuted, <laughs> and, right? I mean, like you've got to really get into it. Like it means something, like it's great, like Vista is so important and Linux, we hate Linux. And you've got to get into all of that kind of hysterical groupthink in order yeah. to really, quote, succeed. And the problem with philosophy is you just get this massive indifferent sigh uh, and you recognize this stuff for what it is, which is, you know, people desperate to be accepted and to please those in authority being exploited, right? And again, this is nothing to do with the free market, right? I love the free market, but this is just about the sort of current state of psychology in the world, which is pretty primitive. And you right. just can't get on board with that. And of course, I believe that you have occasion to being called the, the dark cloud of cynicism in your life because you can't sort of get on board with that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it... it uh... It really does embitter you after a while, too. <laughs> right, and, and you don't want to be in situations that are going to embitter you, right? Which is sort of the other stuff that, that I wanted to talk about with you in terms of your goals, right? Which is that you really don't want to be, uh, you don't want to end up in a situation other than through necessity, right? I mean, if you if you need money, you're going to have to take a job. I mean, and so on, right? But But that's necessity, and you can live with that, right? But you don't want to try and put yourself in a situation where enthusiasm for the inconsequential is going to be your primary drive because it's not – I mean philosophy will just, has just taken that away from you as it has for me, as it has for other people that you just can't yeah. get enthusiastic about inconsequentialities and status and mere money and excess and goods and, and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean it just – that's just part of the process. You just don't get enthusiastic about that kind of stuff anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 see that's the – that's the double bind I'm kind of stuck in is that uh, uh, I, I, not only can I not get enthusiastic about it anymore, I, 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 I really can't go back there. 
No, you can't. At all. And, and if you tried to, you would simply uh, you'd short circuit, right? I mean, yeah. You, 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 it's like trying to turn turn, turn the wheel. Uh, you know, 180 degrees when you're going 200 down the highway. I mean, it's pretty spectacular and fairly short. Uh, what happens, right? You just you you can't. I mean, you can't do it, right? Again, unless. And I, I kind of knew that too. Well, you know, a year ago I'd started interviewing for other jobs, and on every interview I was like, God, I really don't want to work here either. You know? right. And and so so now I'm 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 uh, I feel kind of trapped in a way because uh, where does the enthusiasm come from for something new well it, it has to be in alignment with your core goals of, of <clears throat> achieving virtue and wisdom right yeah I mean then that yeah, be enthusiastic for you're enthusiastic for listening to the podcast you were great at providing feedback and thanks once more on on the book uh, you know you love posting on the boards you love the conversations that you have with the people that you've met who have uh, been been listening to the podcasts who I mean you have entire day long conversations that that create <laughs> viruses about dreams about fathers and so on right so I mean that kind of stuff it's like you'd pay to do it let alone get paid to do it right yeah and that's that's exactly it I mean this uh, this whole thing this whole conversation is i mean this is where i want to be but obviously it's not it's not an income generator so now uh, you, you know, you're you're stuck with okay well um what could i tolerate for 6 or 8 hours a day in order to be able to do this right and, well, and, and the, there's things which you, I mean, you can retrain. You can try to, to, to generate income through uh, writing articles uh, and, and so on. And that's all, that's all possible, right? But you can also look at, um, you know, most people work 50 weeks of the year for the two or three week vacation, right? Or 49 weeks. And that's, that's their big fun time. You don't have to do that. If you keep your living expenses low, you can do intermittent contract work and say, okay, I'm going to work for a couple of months here so that I can take another couple of months to pursue truth, knowledge, and wisdom, right? I mean, those are all sorts of like the same way that the, the, the whale comes up for the air, right? <laughs> you sort of <laughs> go down to the depths and, and you enjoy swimming in the, the deep and fluorescent dark and then you come up to sort of grab some more cash oxygen and you go back down again, right? I mean, that that was sort of my dizzying up and down dive every day, right? <laughs> Which is that I would uh, do what I would consider to be these amazing and, and kaleidoscopic and wonderful podcasts in the morning and in the afternoon on my drive to work. And then I'd be like retarded business guy, <laughs> you know, relative to those podcasts, I'd be retarded business guy during the day. And it really was disorienting and, and kind of weird, right? To, to sort of be in this, you know, it's like, um, I guess, being the lead in an opera and then like in the evening and then having to go and be a karaoke host the next day. Like it's just kind of <laughs> weird, right? I mean, it's a strange situation. When you have that kind of depth and passion and power and ability, uh, then you have to go and do a presentation at a chemical conference. It's kind of weird, right? It just feels like you're living 2.9 lives or something like that. So, And it's got to be incredibly draining too. Well, it is, right? Because you have to hide, right? I mean, you have to hide who you are uh, from uh, from the people that that you're uh, working with, right? So, uh, And that's tough, right? And I got that when I was doing a job interview uh, before I took the one that I only stayed at for six months. And the guy was like, well, you know, uh, we, we certainly respect and appreciate your business expertise, but 
the hell's going on with this anarchist thing? <laughs> like I googled you, and you know, you freak of nature. What the hell's going on, right? And and he's right to sort of understand that, right? That this is out there. That I'm going to be talking to clients who then might idly Google my name and find out that I'm a, a raving atheist anarchist guy who apparently wants to, you know, blow up the Fed. Uh, this is, uh, I mean, this is something that. Uh, is uh, is is hard. You, you you can't live that double life for too long without it. You know, right? And and it pleasant. it pre- it preys on your own mind too. I'm sure because y- you know you're having to lie to these people, right? Well, to, to, you it, certainly it, have in to a hide. certain way. You have to hide, right? Like in the same way that if you go to a family dinner and you don't like your family, you can sort of nod and smile and say, "Yes, the weather has been great," and pass the salt and so on. It's not quite the same as lying, but it certainly is a kind of hiding, right? I mean, it is uh, it is sort yeah. of falling in line with the other prisoners, and you're not saying, I'm a prisoner, but you're acting like one. And there's a kind of, um, there's yeah. a kind of falsehood and, and, and an inversal of values there, right, that, that occurs. Yeah, sin of omission rather than commission. Right, right. But, but um, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of this process that I went through um, even after I left uh, the place I was at before the last place. And which I still go through, um, you know, watching movies or, or whatever, right? Just say, well, is philosophy real, right? I mean, is is it real or is it a hobby? You know, is it like if I decide to take up bowling, that's not going to affect my career. I mean, unless it becomes obsessive. But is philosophy true, right? I mean, is 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 virtue the only path to happiness? Is corruption dangerous? Is right? Because if it is true, like if it's really true, and you have to live like it's true, then um, it's a very set, different set of decision making. Where, of course, for the most of my my life, I had this sort of secret mistress called philosophy, but I was sort of wedded to conformity, right? And, uh, uh, so, you know, trying to make an honest woman out of philosophy is not the easy, easiest step in the world. But that's sort of yeah, for me, it was not so much the secret mistress, but more like a nagging bitch. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I had that experience, too. Occasionally, the secret mistress gets a little impatient and says, what, so you're going to leave this uh, this wife of yours or what? <laughs> Married yeah. to the Mob, right? It's the name of that movie. I've never seen it, but that's sort of yeah. what uh, uh, that's sort of what comes to mind. The Mob, like the group, not the Mob, like the Mafia. But, uh, so, <laughs> right. so from from that standpoint, right? I mean, I would suggest, of course, and you know this, but but you know, keep your your living requirements as as insanely low as possible. Uh, and uh, I would throw myself heart and soul into writing uh, and and trying to get my ideas down. Now, if you don't have any particular ideas, then I would still keep my income low. And just keep reading. Like it takes a couple of years of, of at least it was for me, of uh, thought and reflection before the sort of spontaneous generation starts to come about in terms of being able to to come up with ideas, right? Like the same way that it takes a couple of years of piano playing before you can improvise, right? So, um, right. so then it's just just practice reading and, and so on, right? That to sort of prepare yourself for that while keeping your income as low as possible. I, again, I was talking about sort of your situation with Christina the other day, and um, I didn't really get the impression that you wanted to sort of, you know, go back and get a master's of English or whatever, and, and you wouldn't need that to be a, a writer anyway, but I mean, certainly Shakespeare didn't, but, <laughs> but, uh, no, I think, I think to a certain extent, the, the, uh, my original plan for going back to school and getting a degree was kind of a self-esteem issue, you know, like I, I couldn't feel smart until I could have a piece of paper in my hand that said I was. And over the years, I've tried to go back part time. Yeah. And I would usually last about a semester, maybe two, and then 
I was like, oh, God, what am I doing? <laughs> right, whereas if you could have a day, like when you were talking with those two guys in Europe, right, about philosophy, uh, I mean, there it's like, regretfully, the sun is going down on this conversation, right? Uh, and you sort of have oh, to yeah. you know, be dragged away with wild horses, which is my uh, experience as well. And, um, I mean, philosophy refreshes, right? It encourages, it. Uh, it's, uh, it's the water to our thirsty lawns, right? So, uh, so. Oh, yeah, it definitely recharges the batteries, that's for sure. Right, right. I mean, uh, after uh, the conversation on the Sunday show, I had uh, scheduled a, uh, a chat in the evening with a young musician, and I was like, "Oh, I'm tired of whatever, right?" But, but um, Greg has drained me. And and uh, <laughs> but what happened was, I found it very refreshing and and enjoyable, right? So I've been working since like eight o'clock on my new book this morning, and I was like, "It's it's it's a it's a it's a very very pleasurable break to chat." about important things in life, right? So, I mean, the books are like a drag relative to, to the conversation, but I think they're important for uh, getting the word out to the non-technical. But um, So it's refreshing, and it's a, it's a pleasure, and it's a recharging. And uh, so I would say that, I mean, that, that's got to be the core of what it is that you're aiming at uh, in your life. And if you take that as the wind that you have to navigate by, then you won't necessarily sail in a straight line. Lord knows I didn't, but uh, that will be your sort of guiding light in a sense. Right. The scary part is I guess the the waiting. I mean, I've got I've got enough in reserve to last a couple of years, but uh, if I'm frugal with it, but still Well, the, but tell me tell me that, what you mean by the waiting because that's the part that I don't quite uh, quite get as you. Hmm? Well, well like you were Sorry, go ahead. Well, like you were saying, you know, just just work on reading and writing and Wait for, wait for it. You know, the the Luke Skywalker Force thing that right. that, uh, that 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 makes me uncomfortable. But but you, I mean, again, to take the sort of pianist metaphor, if you want to be an improvisational jazz pianist, because I don't know, you hate your audience or something, then if you um if you if you want to do that, and you say, well, I can't wait for the moment when I can just improvise on my jazz piano or play while playing jazz, uh, then, you know, in a sense, you sort of feel like you're waiting for that moment. Uh, and of course it's a moment and then it goes away and then it comes back and it becomes more consistent. And you say to your piano teacher, you know, I'm waiting for this moment to, to arrive. And he's like, well, I can't predict when it's going to happen, but I can certainly predict that the more you practice, the, the quicker it'll be. Right, and in that metaphor is a piano teacher. Well, sure, well, sure. I mean, and I might humbly put at least some of the podcasts forward as as those kinds of, of situations, right, that you have a methodology um, that, that you all, always knew, right? We always know that reason and evidence is the way to go because even people who argue for irrational things use reason and evidence, right? So we always right. we have that methodology. You have some examples, um, and uh, so you know that sort of reading and, and of course, there's a huge library out there of, of stuff to read and, and write about. And you have, you know, again, it's easier for us than any generation previously, right? Because we have places like Lou Rockwell and Strike the Root and so on that will publish our stuff when no, you know. And, and all, that, all that slave college labor over at uh, Gutenberg.com. Right, right. You have all of that kind of stuff and, and so on. <laughs> so you may not have a sort of piano teacher looking over your shoulder, but you definitely have, you know, the playbooks and the, uh, all the theory and so on. And, of course, there is no one who can teach you how to be you, right? Well, that's true. That's, that's, 
that's entirely true and uh and 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 uh who 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 exactly is me right 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 and and that of oh. course is a is a is a is like a cloud right it's it's a, you, you it's a continually moving uh and and amorphous uh, thing but i think i mean yeah. this this guy I was chatting with on sunday night uh he's still reviewing the podcast uh, and uh, but uh he was sort of saying well how should i deal with x y and z and i said well i i could give you an answer but it wouldn't mean that much what i can do is say that you need to develop a map right and and once you've got a map then you don't have to ask anyone where to go right right well a map doesn't really tell you where to go either it just tells you where you could go for sure for sure for sure and and your core desire for wisdom and truth and self-knowledge is your destination, right? But yes. the map of how to get there uh, is going to be a pretty fluid thing, right? Because, I mean, the the metaphor is, is, is misplaced to some degree because the Earth doesn't change, the, you know, in the real world, but it does in the realm of sort of goals and so on. But uh, that sort of core thing where you can uh, read uh, and write and talk and practice and question and, and so on and, and do all of that kind of stuff, uh, that is uh, that definitely is the practice with which the jazz improvisation will without which the jazz improvisation will never occur and nobody can tell you who you are but certainly uh, self expression and self knowledge is the only methodology that i've ever heard of or could imagine that will get you there yeah and uh <laughs> being able to do that without feeling like you're uh you know loafing <laughs> Well, sure, sure. I mean, I've had to pry my way loose of a number of Protestant work ethics in order to be able to do this because inspiration <laughs> is not a beast you can command, right? <laughs> if you try to, it, it attacks you, right? So, uh, so I've had to become a free market with myself, right? <laughs> because I have to view my creative energies as uh, things which, if you regulate, they die, right? So, uh, so that, you know, at the times where I can work, I can work feverishly and, and very well, and the times when nothing is coming to me, then I'll do other things that are a little more procedural. But uh, you have to become a free market with yourself, right? I mean, and that's one of the reasons that you end up being very sure that free market principles work, right? We have to right. eliminate the statism within ourselves, right? The command and control soul uh, in order to oh, be fertile. That, that's, uh, I mean, that's a serious problem. Sure. I th I think with this, uh, as as freewheeling as uh, Americans are, you know, uh, made to look on television, I I think the uh, the you know the, your 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 value is only as a uh, you know a machine. Um, you know, however consistent your productive output is, is how you can measure your own personal worth. Oh, sure. When I was working on Almost, uh, I would literally feel good or bad based on the word count of what I'd written during the day. And uh, that was just demonic. <laughs> that must have been, uh, <laughs> must have been torture. That book is, oh, what, 900 God. That pages? was absolutely the darkest time I've ever had writing anything was that damn book. It was like being <laughs> possessed by all the grim and ugly demons of the planet. It was just hell. Um, oh, wow. I to come home and... <laughs> lie down on the couch and weep and just, oh my god it was grueling in the same way as as uh, most of to go was like great fun startled people in starbucks by giggling at my own bad jokes but uh, <laughs> that was hell on wheels yeah well you've certainly given me plenty to think about 
Well, I hope so. I mean, there's, there, there is no simple answer. Right? I mean, you, you have to sort of meet your fate halfway, so to speak, right? You have to meet yourself halfway. I mean, if you just lie around on the couch, you get this Raskolnikov situation, which rarely ends well, right? But, um, <laughs> but at the same time, if you work out of a sense of panic, duty, or obligation, or fear, then uh, you're just not going. You, know, you have to sort of meet your, you know, you have to sort of extend your hand, and then the squirrel comes, right? Uh, and that uh, is, uh, is a complicated thing to try and do. But I would certainly um, respect your own instincts in this area, right? I mean, your instincts got you as far as they did, got you to a place where, you know, you're happier and freer than you ever were before, you know, got you to, to respond to the fateful email from the BCF and uh, come and listen, right? And, then, and, and that uh, acceptance and readiness and pursuit of that was all instinctual, right? You had no idea where it was heading. But I would really trust uh, those, those instincts and trust that what it is that you're doing is the right thing. Yeah, I, I still feel that way to a certain extent. Like, like two guys in black suits have thrown me into the back of a cab, and I have no idea where I'm going. <laughs> well, uh, I'm just glad to have other people in the back of the cab with me, because that, <laughs> that was certainly my experience, right? Because it all started when, when I just stopped being able to sleep, and uh, I didn't know what the heck was going on or why, and it was like I just got hijacked by my own true self. It's like... Um, could you maybe just untie the burlap sack a little bit? I mean, I can still breathe, but I'd kind of like to know where we're going. Like, don't you worry your pretty little head. We'll, we'll pump you out when we get there. Right. So, yeah, it's not like I had a big plan. It was just I got hijacked, and it's like, hey, you know, maybe I can grab some other people as this net is being scooped through the ocean. <laughs> yep. That's been, uh, that's been pretty much the story of my life for the last six months. And that's, of course, that's evolution, right? Evolution is you don't know what's coming next, right? Right. Right, that's true. That's true. So. So, I mean, in the short run, I guess I'll just keep doing what I've been doing. Yeah, read, write, think, rest, um, you know, contemplate. You have the luxury uh, of, a, of a couple of years, and uh, that's not going to be um, – uh, and you're not going to need – I mean, you, that's, that's going to work out just fine, right? I mean, I mean you, you ha- and you have a marketable skill, right? So you're not going to starve to death and so on. But I would just, uh, you know, when, when you feel like resting, rest without guilt. And th- that's a very hard thing to do, right? But, but a lot of philosophy is in the resting. A lot of philosophy is in – the not working, right? Uh, because the, that our, our wisdom and truth comes a lot from relaxation. That's the idea behind meditation and so on. But uh, the idea of, of resting, right? Resting is when, I mean, I'm sort of lying on the couch, not thinking of anything. That's where I get a lot of my best ideas. And if I don't right. rest and say, well, I've got to squeeze some ideas out, then the constipation sets in and the metaphor gets really unpleasant. But um, for, right, for, that, for, that resting is very important, right? To, to, to have the self-esteem to 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 not work is uh, is because you you know that that's where a lot of at least for me at least that's where a lot of the fertility comes from. Right for for all the for all the John Cage jokes, uh, the the spaces between the notes are just as important as the notes themselves. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and of course the great philosopher Farouk Bulsara came up with a crazy little thing called love while lounging in a bubble bath in Munich, and uh, that of course is uh, is my uh, my uh, template. <laughs> Freddie is... wasn't his real name, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> that is his song, then. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was. Uh, uh, 
one of the last days in London. I said, uh, okay, I guess I'll go see it. And went and saw the, uh, that, um... We Will Rock You? Queen musical they have out there. How'd you like it? Um, it was loud. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was, it was okay. I mean, it was, it was a, uh... It was a thin plot designed specifically to sprinkle all the greatest hits within it, right? right? So it gave Queen fans a great chance to kind of relive the past. Right. And actually, that's kind of how the plot worked. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. The Post, post-apocalyptic, uh, uh, you know, Orwellian world full of... Uh, 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 Conformists on one side and and orange-haired uh, Mad Max crazy people on the other. And... <laughs> right. No, it, it was uh, it was like a cheese factory as far as the plot went, for sure. <laughs> it was interesting to note, though, that they must be changing the script because uh, there were pop culture references in it. From... Yeah, though no, they they changed the script here for Toronto as well, so they do throw in some local jokes. But. Uh... It was pretty good, but but where was I going with that? Um, oh yeah, and they they played that song, and I was like, wait a minute, that's like a tune from the fifties, isn't it? Yeah, no, he 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 liked his Elvis impersonation, so he would uh, uh, he he worked that in for sure. So that was his. Yeah, yeah, hmm. that was his. A long way what? from uh, a long way from uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, but uh, definitely quite the quite the flexible songwriter. <laughs> Well, sure, sure. It seems like it. Although, uh, I don't know why it has to be so loud. <laughs> well, that's just rock and roll. I mean, that's the yeah. Thing. Yeah, it makes your ears ring, but uh, actually makes a, makes the voices in your head louder. <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> right. But anyway. <sighs> Well, why don't we? Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna. I mean, I recorded this, of course. Let, let me. I'm not gonna post this in general. I mean, have have a listen to it and see if it's something. I, I think it's useful for others. Um, but uh, have a listen, and I I can sort of put it either gold or diamond plus or whatever. I mean, if you wanted, it's 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 your your conversation, so you can you can put it wherever you want. But I think it might be confusing for for some people uh, who haven't sort of uh, had more more experience or understanding. But uh, let me uh, let me sort of. If you, Wait a minute! And then you he's telling this guy to he's telling this guy to quit his job and loaf around. Right? How the hell does he expect me to donate? Just kidding. Um, and for God's sake, keep your money, right? I mean, you've donated more than enough, so uh, you know this is uh, this is uh, the, the the leisure that that you need to have with financial security is, is very important, right? So that you can relax into yourself, right? Right. right. Well, <laughs> I, I I hear you pleading on the podcast, and I get panicky because. Uh, if uh, free domain goes away, um, then I'm going to have to do this all by myself. And well, don't. Uh, but but you, you don't want to step in to fill other people's gaps, right? Certainly, free domain is not is not going anywhere. Uh, I'm going to make this work. No matter. I got to sell three kidneys. I'm going to make this work. So, so don't worry about that. And and don't uh, don't take uh, as as your ownership the fact that uh, uh, you know donations and, and donations in the summer. At least it was the case last summer. Uh, just uh, just tend to be a little bit leaner. But of course, I've started selling the book, so that's helped a little bit. So, uh, well, right. more than a little. So, yeah. So I mean, but but don't take on as your ownership the fact that other people aren't donating. Right. That's that's part of relaxing. Right. Letting other people step up is is pretty key. Oh sure, sure. Just uh, I get 
worried. I'll, I'll just say except Greg in, in the future. <laughs> so, so you don't. Uh, well, you can just add it for yourself. It's up to you. Yeah, I'll I'll staple that to my forehead. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and that's that's a very very important element for you, right? Is that, um, uh, you know, even even if free domain radio goes away, you and I will stay in conversation, of course, right? I mean, we're friends as well as you know people who have a philosophical relationship. The two may be considered the same, so uh, don't worry about about that aspect of things. And if I have to go back to a full time job, free domain radio is still not going to go away. Uh, so, I mean, I don't want, uh, I never want that to be a sort of, uh, that would be a sort of manipulative threat, right? And I, what I really want, of course, is, I mean, the whole point of this, this voluntary oh. thing. Sorry, go ahead. Right. I mean, I, I understood you weren't trying to manipulate people into donating. It's just that, you know, I have no idea how well it's doing. And the more, uh, the more aggressive the, uh, the, um, um, the pleas the more I start to wonder, hmm. <laughs> no, uh, I, have, um, uh, I have given myself at least a year where I'm going to assume that, because, I mean, I stayed at this job for six months and was making ridiculous amounts of money at it, so I stored that up with the existing donation money, and that's enough for a year, and uh, donations are not, they're not doing too badly. It's just that um, I, I need people to, to reciprocate, and, and not just, as, as I talked about before, not just for me to have money to, to eat. It's not, not even so much that. It's that uh, if they... I mean, I want this to be a... I mean, there is a, a mentor-mentee, <laughs> mentors relationship uh, in this with, with people, and uh, they, need to, uh, they need to reciprocate so that they understand philosophy. Right, the, the, the donations are an essential part of... And that's why they have to stay voluntary. That's why I decided not to go to a, a cash-based... A podcast release. Um, it has to be voluntary to begin with. People have to experience the kind of generosity from me that they never experienced from their their teachers or family growing up. Uh, but then, like uh, the reparenting, in a sense, is is also heavily involved with the reciprocation at some point, right? So that's another reason why I nag people is that I mean, my main purpose is not to make money, but to uh, to help people and. Uh, pestering them for uh, reciprocity will be good because when they re- uh, have reciprocity in their relationship with me, then what will happen is my generosity will stimulate their generosity and that will become a standard in their relationships, whether they like it or not, which will help them a great deal with uh, difficult people. That the, the the reasoning behind all that was one of the reasons I really started donating heavy as my, uh, myself because, uh, I mean, the... The uh, all the surface arguments of, you know, well, if you're a capitalist, you would charge, or if you're a communist, you would give it away for free. Um, <laughs> you know, that stuff all seemed so kind of silly to me. But but uh, understanding the the. Um, the, the subtlety of the the the, the donation model, um, and 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 how it, it it's kind of a, a it's kind of a metaphor for how you should live in total. Oh, absolutely, really. yeah. I mean, you if you take value, you should provide value in your relationships, right? And uh, that is something that 
uh, that people really need to get, right? They, they, and they think, of course, that giving me money would be a net loss for them, right? And that just means that they still don't really understand uh, what the conversation is really all about. And that's okay, because, I mean, they can take people that have been really exploited, right, in their life. That's why the world is in such a difficult state, right? The exploitation of people, particularly when they're young, is, uh, is really serious. It's a very serious issue. And so um, when you learn to meet generosity with generosity, you break that cycle, right? If I charged people, uh, then, you know, the natural cynicism and skepticism would, would, would arise and, and so on. And people might still pay, but it would, be, it would be grudging and it wouldn't be doing anything to heal the sort of uh, the, the bad parenting then bad exploitation at the hands of teachers that they experienced in the past. But when people get that, when you reciprocate generosity with generosity, then you get an ever-escalating increase in pleasure. Uh, that, that's that's right. the, the lesson that I really want people to get uh, through through this voluntary model, right? I mean, uh, if if you know Christina gives me 150 percent and I give her 150 percent back, you know, we we have this you know constant increase of of, of pleasure, and that realizing that re- reciprocating generosity with generosity and getting the pleasure and the growth that comes out of that uh, is something that uh, I mean a lot of people are sort of slowly getting it, but. Uh, it's uh, it's hard for people to to really get that you know whatever they I mean and it sounds ridiculously religious right whatever thou shalt give to me thou shalt re- receive tenfold and blah, 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 <laughs> right I mean it's, it's ridiculous uh, but but it's it's true nonetheless and of course it is true and I don't think it's coincidental that the people who have um, given the most back right have have grown the most I mean that's that's uh, you could sort of argue the cause and effect and so on but. Uh, you know, once people get that, uh, you know, giving to money to me is like paying a doctor or paying for education, right? I mean, it's it's an investment that pays off uh, many times over uh, in terms right. of happiness. They, I mean, they'll get it's, that, and that will help them a lot in their life. But I can't I can't enforce that, right? Because then you break the whole paradigm. Right. It's it's more than just reciprocating what you've given. It's it's a kind of self-reciprocation as well. Right, you're that. saying as soon as as soon as you eliminate exploitation from your relationships with others, and without a doubt, right, people who have you know hundreds or thousands of posts, who've downloaded hundreds, uh, dozens or hundreds of podcasts, and who've listened to them and got enormous value, people who don't, um, who don't uh, donate, uh, they are uh, exploiting uh, uh, my generosity, right? And and if they understood how much that harmed them in terms of their happiness and their their life with others and if they got what that was going to do the, to them in terms of, of their capacity to love and be loved and how they were going to raise their kids. I mean, there'd almost be no price they wouldn't be willing to pay to avoid that. But people have to make that, come to that realization voluntarily that if they exploit others, it hurts them, right? And, and I kind of right. that. Right. The, 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 the suffering you inflict on somebody else I mean, in the same way that the reciprocation re- re- uh, comes back to you tenfold, the suffering does too. Oh, absolutely, no, no question, no question. But um, and and then what happens is it, it can become a vicious cycle, right? So they, uh, as you know, philosophy is like a hammer blow to the head when it first comes up in your life. It is not a tender lover, but you know, it's like, <laughs> hey, sip this drink. It might taste a little better, and you'll wake up in Vegas with your panties around your head, but. Uh, <laughs> but it can be a bit disorienting to begin with, but um, uh, and and you can see this. I can see this sort of floating up on on relationships that are popping up on the board and so on, that people are sort of waking up to their to their exploitation, right? To the, either the fact that they're exploiting others, uh, as in the case of some of the sort of players that have popped up lately, or being exploited themselves. And people talking about their girlfriends and parents, 
Right. And once they recognize that they are being exploited or that they're exploiting others um, and they, they begin to undo that damage, then um, donations inevitably follow, right? So unconsciously, they kind of get it that they don't want to exploit or be exploited. And, uh, but, you know, and the effect of that is donations. And it's, of course, a ridiculously complicated way to, to, to get uh, a Big Mac. But uh, it is the only <laughs> way that, that, that makes the conversation worthwhile. Right, because, I mean, your product is vastly different than a Big Mac. Right, 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 right. But, I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't go uh, – if somebody had a free buffet, which was donations only, and I just went and, and ate every day, even if I could afford to – and everyone can afford to do something, right? I mean, everyone can afford to, to do something, and everyone could afford to, to sort of help in some manner. It's not always about cash. Um, I mean, it would be very costly for me, right? It would be it would be very costly for me to exploit another human being because it would have huge ripple effects on all my relationships, and uh, of course, I would be then replaying out my parents' exploitation of me, uh, and and all of that. You're reaffirming the principle and so on. And if people knew how much that altered their future happiness in terms of loving and being loved, they would consider it a small price. But uh, you know, that's something that uh, I can't talk too, too much about because then it just sounds, again, their their defenses will kick in. It's, oh, he's manipulating. It's like, oh, so if I don't donate to you, I'm not happy and blah, blah, blah. Right? I mean, that's that's <laughs> right. something that I can't talk about in, in, in very specific terms. Right. And it's just, I mean, that's just a defense wall going up anyways. But For sure, for sure, for sure. And then the, what, what happens is they then project their exploitation onto me, right? So then it's either I exploit them or they exploit me. Mutual benefit is not something that they can process as yet, and that does take time. Right. It's the mindset of, uh, you know, of uh, it's the statist mindset, right? Either, either you are the, um, uh, you're either the, the abuser or the victim. Yeah, the ruler or the rules. You're the farmer or the livestock. There's nothing, there's the mutual right. cooperation, right, is not... It's not, it's not possible, right? And, and that is, uh, that is and it's hard. And, of course, I also do want people, because I don't want them to have to wait 25 years the way that, or 20 years the way it was for me, that philosophy has value. Uh, again, that's the sort of why I say, you know, <laughs> you know, like if people who subscribe or whatever, it's like half the price of a cup of coffee a day. And if philosophy isn't worth that much for you, to you, then don't get involved in the conversation. Because, you know, philosophy values you whether or not you value philosophy, right? <laughs> so it's right. going to, right? Uh, you you cannot believe in calories, but if you eat 10 Big Macs a day, right, it's still going to have an effect on you. So I'm always concerned about the people who sort of get into the podcast and say, oh, this is cool, this is interesting, this is neat, because, you know, they have high-powered guns with no training. And uh, that can be uh, – it can blow up for them for sure. It can be very risky. Um, so if they if they sort of don't think that philosophy is worth – any sort of cash, really, then they're sort of saying that it's not worth a whole lot. But what it means is that it then it, it, it acts upon their life in an unconscious manner because right? they haven't placed it conscious priority and learned to manage it, right? It's a drug. Yeah, it is. It is. And, of course, yeah. some people use it to try and, and achieve superiority over others and so on. And, and that, holy, that, I mean, that's just definitely a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at, least, at, least for, at least for those folks that don't understand its i mean its real value it it becomes a kind of a drug yeah it's it's a way of uh, inhabiting a fantasy of yourself that you're that uh i mean sooner or later is going to implode oh for sure yeah no you you can't use this stuff to exploit people i mean it's very powerful but i mean it just it irradiates your soul if you try Yep, that's been my experience.
Oh, for sure, mine too. <clears throat> well, Steph, I uh, <laughs> uh, I feel better in some ways and worse in others, but excellent. <laughs> well, have a have a listen to it. I th- I mean, I think I think what what it's given is is a possible plan of action for the present, as well as a core a core goal of of pursuit of wisdom and knowledge, which is is what you should measure your. Uh, potentiality or what it is you might do by. But, you know, the key thing is to have something that, that you can do in the present, which is follow your own instincts, practice, rest, uh, and, and be patient. But work, work and be patient, right? That's, that's the challenge of philosophy. Right. 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 And, and doing both those things, not necessarily at the same time. Right. 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 All right. Well... I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll compile this post a, post a link and you can let me know um, what what you'd like to do with it but but do have a listen and, and let me know what you think. Sure, sure. All right. Well, thanks, man. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for uh, for making the time. Oh, thank you. My pleasure, man. Talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Bye.